Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. Hello, and welcome to the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. On this episode, I'm going to introduce you to Tommy Teshima. Tommy is one of the star students from the Start Your Private Practice program, who is now actually a Grow Your Private Practice member. In the last year, yes, Tommy just celebrated her first year in private practice, she has made tremendous progress toward meeting her goals. She used to work in the schools, and then she got laid off and didn't know what to do, so she started a private practice. Tommy's bubbly and friendly, fun personality is something that you will fall in love with. So without further ado, here's Tommy. My name is Jenna Castro-Casbon. I am part of a group of private practitioners who have taken client care into our own hands. We are skilled clinicians who pride ourselves on providing high quality care to our clients and their families. We are fighting against productivity requirements, administrative red tape, and unnecessary restrictions. We started our own private practices to take control of our professional and personal lives, of our schedules, of our incomes, of our future. We work hard for our clients, but on our terms. We believe in helping others, but also helping ourselves. We are not interested in competing with each other because we hope we'll all make it. We are successful private practitioners, and these are our stories. Before we begin, can you please share your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? Yes. I am Tamako Teshima. Everybody calls me Tommy, though. That's much easier for everybody. I'm in Caledonia, Michigan, which is right outside of Grand Rapids, and I am the speech-language pathologist and owner of Duncan Lake Speech Therapy. And I'm so excited to have you on for like lots of reasons. You've got this, you know, just really fun, upbeat personality, which the listeners I think are really going to like. You've also made a lot of progress in a short period of time. And you're an alum of the Start Your Private Practice system and current member of Grow Your Private Practice. So I always love to highlight students who have done particularly well and been star students, really. But before we sort of talk about where you are now and how you got to star student status. The president of the Jenna Castro-Kazbon fan club. I think that's really what you're trying to say. Well, thank you. It's true. It's true. (laughs) Um, Tell us about your, you know, your early career as an SLP and like what led, you know, over the years or whatever to you starting to think about private practice. So I'm going to take it back a little bit farther than SLP because I, being a speech pathologist is my second career. I started off as a secondary ed English teacher. I graduated from Grand Valley State University with a degree in secondary ed for or English for secondary ed. 
Um, I taught for a couple of years at an alternative high school in a very rural town here in Michigan. And um, it was 2008. The uh, recession had just hit, so there weren't a lot of jobs here. So I ended up moving to Florida. I needed to switch jobs. Anybody who's worked in alternative ed will know that that's, it's just not sustainable emotionally. The kids were great. I learned a ton. It just wasn't sustainable. So I moved to Florida and worked at a Title I middle school for a couple of years as a seventh grade language arts teacher. And I met my husband there. And that's kind of when the idea of becoming a speech pathologist started kind of fizzling in my brain. I had a speech pathologist who um, pushed into my classroom and man, oh, when she walked in the door, I was so happy. I had like 28, 32 kids. I could not handle that by myself. Who teachers? Shout out to you because you do. I love them. Yeah, literally. God's work. Um, and she was able to do small groups with me um, and help me out. And, you know, the kids that I wasn't able to give attention to, she was able to do it and, you know, have them feel successful in a way that I wasn't able to. So um, my last year of teaching, and after, it was after a lot of discussion and thought and um, all of, sorts of time to process whether or not that was a good decision. Um, my husband and I, he, my boyfriend then, now my husband, uh, we moved to California. He got a job out there. And I decided that that would be it. When we left Florida, I was going to be done teaching and I was going to go to grad school. So I worked for a year in a daycare. It was um, a bilingual um, English Mandarin daycare. I worked in the toddler room for a year. And if that's not a motivator to like get me to grad school, I don't know what is. I love kids, but wow. Also shout out daycare providers. Um, and I got into school while we were out there. So I, I got into San Jose State where I did an extended master's program, which is like a we have a year of prerequisites and then you do the two-year grad program, which was really nice that they offered that. So um, and I did that. And as soon as I graduated, we moved on back to Michigan. So I actually haven't been a speech pathologist for very long. I've only been a speech pathologist for three years. So, um, Well, I'm happy been... that the road took you there though. <laughs> the very long cross country road, yeah. but it did eventually. <laughs> well, and I think that that's, it's, you know, there's plenty of people who are SLPs who, who, you know, did it from the beginning. And then there's lots of people who, you know, had other life circumstances or other things, you know, were, were in other professions who then found their way to this field. And I think that that's wonderful. That's one of the, the great things about this profession is that everyone can join really at any point in their career, you know, early, middle, or late. So I'm very thankful that you found your way to speech pathology. And I am too. And I think having been a teacher has been a real benefit to me, especially because a lot of my work prior to doing private practice, all of my work prior to doing a private practice was in the schools. Um, so when I moved back to Michigan, this is kind of tangential, but I'm going to get there. Um, I just assumed I was going to like get a job because you know, when you're in grad school, they tell you like, oh, you know, there's like a shortage. You're going to find a job wherever you want one. So I just told my husband, find a job and then we'll just wherever you go. I'm just going to get a job there. It'll be fine. Well, we live in West Michigan. West Michigan is rather uh, flooded with speech pathologists. There are quite a few programs within an hour of Grand Rapids where we live. There's like five programs. Mm. Two are right here. So to find a job here was 
very, very hard. The, for my CF year, I, I worked at a school district that I loved, um, but it was 75 miles away. So I was commuting an hour and 15 minutes every day. I left at, you know, quarter to six in the morning, six o'clock in the morning and got back at five o'clock at night. Loved the district, loved the district, loved my supervisor, loved the people that I worked with, could not sustain that drive for uh, another year. Um, so I applied for other jobs and ended up working for a district close to my house. And, um, you know, they, they always say that you should trust your gut and like, you know, and, and I don't know why people doubt themselves with this because retrospectively, there were a lot of red flags that should have been a warning to me about taking this job. Um, it was just a really rough school year. We had a really difficult caseload. Um, and it was just kind of bad in general. And at the end of that school year, I ended up getting laid off, Mm. um, with seven other speech pathologists, which as you know, is not a very typical. No. Right. So you were sort of (laughs) thinking you were going to come to like the land of jobs. Yes. Then you got a job that wasn't great and then you got laid off. Yeah. So it was just kind of like a weird, it was a weird couple of years. However, before I even exited grad school, I kind of knew that private practice was what I wanted to do. I had a supervisor who did private practice on the side and she's like, it's so great. It's very freeing. You get to do a lot of the stuff you can't do at the schools. Um, I take my hours and she just does it very sporadically and she still does it. But I was like, oh, I could do something like that. That'd be great. Be my own boss. Work with work with kids in a different way, work with clients in a different way. Um, so I knew in the back of my head that that was the route I wanted to go. And actually, Jenna, I looked at your program several times before all of this stuff started. You might even be able to go back in your messages and see that I messaged you like two years ago about it. I mean, it's, it was something that I'd been thinking about pretty seriously. It, it, sometimes it takes people a while to commit, right? There's, I get messages yes. like that actually all the time. People say, I've been, you know, stalking you online for a while. We've been messaging and, and stuff like that. And, and I think that's great, right? Like I'm a, you know, and Tommy, you know this, like I'm, mm-hmm. a, I'm a friendly, approachable person. I, I want people to make sure that private practice is right for them before they commit to literally anything, including my programs, right? Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. don't want anyone to sign up for something that they don't feel like they can truly do and have success with it. So I'm really happy to hear that you, you know, had, had thought about it. And then at some point, you know, decided to, to get on board, especially after all that you had been through. I know. So right? that, and that, okay, this is how, this is how it went, Jenna. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I got laid off. It was like a Wednesday. Also, I had an intern at the time and I almost had her come to that meeting with me because my supervisor, who I love, still love, I still talk to her. We went to New York together earlier this year, um, pre-corona. Um, she just said she needed to talk to me about caseloads for next year. And I'm like, oh, my intern, Brooke, why don't you come with me to this meeting? And luckily she didn't come. It was, anyway, I digress. Um, I got laid off on a Wednesday. I came home, was upset. The rest of that week I spent looking at jobs, which I knew in the back of my head, this is going to be me plus the six of us who got laid off, six other of us who got laid off 
plus the 50 other grad school grads that are coming out that are going to apply for all of these jobs. I'm like, okay, well, I mean, I'm going to try. Okay. So you got laid okay. off on a Wednesday. Yes. You spent the whole next couple of days looking for jobs, realizing that it was you looking for jobs, plus the other people who had gotten laid off, plus the 50 new grads who are yes. also going to be searching for jobs. And other speech pathologists probably in the district that I worked in that were like, I got to get out. I got to go somewhere else. <sighs> that Monday, I had a terrible IEP that even the special ed supervisor at the school was like, whoa, baby, that went a little differently than I thought it would. I walked out of the school. My phone rang another one of the girls who got laid off called was in tears. I went home early and walked into my door and walked over to my computer and signed up for your program. And I was like, done. Called in sick the next day, filed my LLC. I was, <laughs> I was done and done. I was not going to let anybody else be in charge of my destiny at that point. Um, so that was kind of how it went. I will say um listeners that jenna cautions against just jumping in you know kind of like that and i can see why that is cautioned against but i did um i had a, my my situation was rather unique i really had it was either i was going to do this or i probably was going to be unemployed and so um i did have that air quote seat net, I suppose you could say, or I don't know what a better term for that would be, but um, those are my, those are my options. So yeah, I felt, well, that's, I felt that's amazing, right? Like, um, just thinking about timing, right? Like, you know, the, just when, you know, a situation, you know, came around that was, was bad and maybe looked a little bit bleak, it sounds like it really opened a door mm -hmm. for you that you, you know, had already, already thought about, right? You had mm -hmm. that old supervisor in college or grad school, you know, with that planting that seed about private practice. So it definitely seemed like, okay, now or never, like mm -hmm. now's the time. Mm -hmm. Let me, let me sign up and get the info I need to, you know, be successful out of the gates. Right. Mm -hmm. And I just want to also praise you for taking immediate action, right? You sign up and then the next day you filed for your LLC and then, you know, you kept going. So mm -hmm. that, that's awesome. This is one of the reasons, listeners, why I love Tommy is because she's an action taker. And I think that that makes a big difference. You don't have to take big actions. Mm -hmm. Like every step forward counts. But, you know, kudos to you for making, you know, uh, what making lemonade or whatever you want to call it. But yeah. you know, going with your gut and following a path that you knew that you wanted to do. And that was my whole, that was like my motto when I started was making lemonade out of lemons like that it was initially in my logo there was like a little ode to the lemon I mean it was real. I, I was listening also you know I was listening to a lot of Beyonce at the time she was like a lot of lemonade so I'm just that was exactly but that's exactly what I tried to do and now retrospectively I mean I did I should probably should not have taken that job and I understand that now but if I hadn't done that I don't know that it would have lit the fire in the same way like if I would have been at a job that I liked, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and not that I wouldn't have done it because like I said, this was the end goal was to end up in private practice. It, I just think it probably would have gone a little more structured and, but it's okay. This is good. This is, I'm happy with the way things have gone. I should say too, though, in the midst of all of that, 
my old supervisor called me and said, there's a two day a week position in a district close to me. I told him that you should probably take it. So she was like, you can't probably just jump into a brand new business and not have something to kind of fall back on. Um, so I do work in a school district two days a week, but um, that is then, you know, I don't know how long that will go, but. Well, I think that's great too. That, that is, you know, um, there's no one way to do this, right? Mm -hmm. It's a, it is a safer bet financially for people to kind of keep money that mm -hmm. they have, right? Mm -hmm. um, in your case, you were losing money, right? Have, yeah. By virtue of the fact of being laid off, right? So, mm -hmm. um, and everybody's financial situations mm -hmm. are different, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But one of the things I like about the way that you did it was then you said, okay, you know, as I'm building my business, let me get a little bit, you know, stable income back in my life while I'm, you know, building my caseload, building my confidence and building my income. Mm -hmm. And you can stick with that two day a week job for as long as you want or need to do mm -hmm. and still have your own private practice that you are the boss of and that you are in control of, you know, and making decisions for. I think that that's fantastic. And it is really empowering to know that if I needed to, I could walk away from that job, um, which is not something I felt previously. And again, it's the whole like taking my own destiny into my hands. Like I'm going to be in control of my own success. Um, and that private practice has been such a huge game changer for that in that, in that particular arena of my life and a lot of different ways too. But, um, to have that security and to know I can do that is really freeing. I love it. And listeners, Tommy just celebrated a really important milestone. Tell everyone what you've celebrated in the last couple of days. I just celebrated my one year anniversary from when I opened the practice, when it became public to everybody. So I'm one year. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and it has been, it's been a little interesting. We are in the midst of COVID right now. It was May, May, 2020, early May, 2020. So, um, the, it has shifted the, uh, out, uh, not the outlook, but it's shifted how my practice kind of is functioning, uh, somewhat. So I should say when I started, I was doing all in-home, 100% uh, in-home or in-facility. Um, I was going to people's homes, but 25, 30-mile radius around my um, where I live. And it was going pretty well. I had like a good steady amount of clients. I had some drop off. I had a couple come in. Um, and then kind of COVID hit, and, it's, and it um, has required a little rebuilding, but it's okay. I well, and it's happening, it, right? I think that we're yeah. still um, really kind of everything is like shaking itself out and people are getting mm -hmm. adjusted to this, you know, new way of life. Mm -hmm. um, before this hit, um, mm -hmm. you were seeing mostly kids, right? It was, it, I was seeing a good mix yeah. toward the end of our, pre, our pre-COVID days. So I was seeing a lot of kids, um, mostly I take a couple of early intervention, but I also work with trans folks on voice modification. So 
that has been something that I've wanted to do forever and hadn't had the ability to do because I was working in the schools and that's not something that the schools do. Um, but now that I have private practice, I can work on like my, in my passion area. Um, and that has been phenomenal. And it's been so great to be able to bring the service to an area where it's not really offered. Um, it started off pretty slowly, but um, in the late, like late November, early December, 2019, I was contacted by some speech pathologists at a hospital. Um, they were asking me about prices and stuff and it is pretty competitive here. Like I said, there are a lot of speech pathologists here. So I thought maybe I was stepping on somebody's turf. I didn't know really what was going on. And then it kind of rolled into this thing with like, no, we have a lot of clients who are um, trans and they are really in need of some voice services and it's never covered by insurance. Um, you do private pay and your rates are not, you know, $400 an hour hospital rates. Can, you know, can we talk about how we can partner on this? And it rolled into this thing where I started teaching a class and um, doing um, like a six week short course in voice modification. And that was phenomenal. And I wouldn't have not been able to do that had I not gone into private practice. Um, I love everything that you just said, right? For, well, let me just break down everything that I loved, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. First of all, that you're able to work with the populations that you want to, mm -hmm. right? Be that kids, adults, you know, doing, you know, preschool language kind of stuff, but also, you know, voice. I think that that's fantastic. I also really like that you talked about how despite the fact that you're in maybe what feels like an oversaturated area, you've d developed a relationship with a hospital. And a lot of people get nervous about that. They say, oh, well, there's, you know, the big hospital in town is going to take all the, the clients or whatever. But also good on the hospital for being like, not everyone can afford the crazy hospital rate. Mm -hmm. And we want to be able to give, you know, give out referrals, give out, you know, other names for people to pursue for, um, for therapy. Mm -hmm. So I think also that's really an important thing that you've been able to establish this referral source with people who you may might have otherwise thought maybe would be competitors or like that there's no way that they would refer to you know little old me who mm -hmm. just started this whole thing so mm -hmm. i think that also speaks to you know not being a or, or not saying no or closing doors prematurely and you know thinking that like something that you thought would be impossible for you is actually very quite possible. Mm -hmm. And I also like that you were doing these like workshop style mm -hmm. um, and it was in person. And now I think that you've, you've moved that to online, mm -hmm. but you know, I think that that's also was, was a need in the community and just a different service delivery model, right? We've mm -hmm. all gone to telepractice as a new service delivery model. Mm -hmm. Well, another kind of delivery model is, is groups or small groups and also workshops, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's great that you've been able to make that work. Um, something that I'm really passionate about in every aspect of my life is uh, representation and accessibility. And um, 
this service, voice mod service for the trans community is not necessarily that accessible. And so in my head, I'd been kicking around this idea of like doing a class. I just, there aren't a lot of models for it, um, if any. Um, so I just kind of, I didn't pursue it because, you know, I didn't want to do something wrong. I didn't want to, you know, but with the support of the hospital, SLPs and they didn't one of the SLPs did come to volunteer to help with it um, but the rest were just like supporting in the background um, but with their help I was able to get that off the ground and make it affordable so that the service is out there because they're you know otherwise what it, it's like reddit and it's YouTube and people are getting vocal nodules and major voice damage because they're not you know, modifying their voices appropriately or in a healthy way. So um, just to be able to get that knowledge out there and for people to like really find value in it, it has been, it's been really great. Also on a side note, Richard Adler, who is the, um, the, the, yeah, the numero uno when it comes to voice modification lives in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and we got his blessing on this. So it was like a really big, it was a really big deal to me and it was a really big deal for the community. So um, the plan was to offer it again this summer. It probably is going to be in a virtual sense. I, you know, it, we'll see how it goes, but it was a great thing. So. Well, and I think that it's great to be thinking about, you know, how to be adaptable and, and mm -hmm. to change and everything. So, you know, you've, you've come up on your, your year anniversary, um, can you share with the listeners, what are, you know, one or two lessons that you learned over the last year? You've, sh you've shared a couple of them, but are there any other lessons that you've learned over the last year that might be helpful for, for people listening? I think the big one, and you talk about this a lot, is um, just not getting stuck in the analysis paralysis. I am uh, very type A, and uh, this is tangential, but I'm going to get back to where we need to go. When we got, my husband and I got married, I was extremely overwhelmed by all of the decisions I had to make. I'm like, I don't want to do this. We ended up eloping, which is a spoiler alert. But I went to work one day and was talking about this. And my boss said to me, you just have to make a decision and move on. Just what flowers do you want? Roses, great, next. So I kind of, in the beginning, because it was, I felt like it was very overwhelming. Like I have to pick a name. I have to have like a website and a logo and all of this stuff. Just make a decision and move on. You can change your website later. I did. You can change your logo later. I did. Um, it's just not worth it to get stuck in that because I think, especially in the beginning, people are really scared about screwing that part up. Um, and it's really not that bad, I promise. Just just pick what you're going to do and go. And um, it will all work itself out. And you can always change it later. So yeah. that's not that big of a deal. Um, and that was really hard for me at first because, again, type A. Um, but it, it is worthwhile to just not spend a ton of time on those particular decisions. So um, that's one huge lesson I've learned. Yeah. I think that's something I talk about in, in a lot of my programs, particularly start your private practice is the idea of the first roadblock. So a mm -hmm. lot of times um, I heard this analogy in a, in um, another program I was in and, and they, they talked about going to the gym, right? You know, so, so you decide, okay, I'm going to get fit, right? So that you go and you take a tour of the gym and you sign up for the gym and you're so excited. 
and you know your satisfaction level is really high and then the next day you actually have to go to the gym right <laughs> in order to get the, that benefit you you have to actually do the work mm -hmm. and sign up for the gym right mm -hmm. so sometimes that happens when people start private practices right they decide this is it like I want to be my own boss. I want to start my private practice. Like I want to see the people I want to see and set my own hours. And then they realize, oh, I have to get my ducks in a row, right? Like I have to get the business license. I have to get a business checking account. Like I have to get a, you know, a, an LLC or whatever. So those kind of things all of a sudden creep in. And sometimes it stops some people in their tracks and they think, wow, this is a lot of work. I'm not sure if I should do this and they start to get overwhelmed. And so the, my big thing that I, I help people do, and I'm so grateful that you, you know, did this yourself is like to just keep moving forward, right? If you really want this thing, much like going to the gym, you have to actually do it. Mm -hmm. If it was, you know, super easy, you know, everybody would do it, right? The, the setup part isn't hard, but you have to do the right steps and in the right order. And, you know, so good for you for, for doing that and just deciding, like, just like your supervisor said, like, okay, I'm going to pick a name, I'm going to pick a logo, I'm going to pick whatever, knowing that you can change it later. So I think that's really good advice, particularly for people who are listening, who might be of the more of the type A persuasion, and who get, you know, worried about some of those details, you know, listen to what Tommy is telling you, that you can, you know, make those changes later right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so i think that's a really really valuable lesson you know that you've been able um to learn and share are there any other things that we haven't talked about yet that you want to share with the listeners i just think so one of the reasons that i wanted to come on to this podcast well one jenna i'm just like your biggest fan i think you know that but <clears throat> the other reason is that um i do listen to this podcast regularly and sometimes I would listen to it and be like hearing these people on their like having like a ton of locations and doing all this stuff. And it was very like, I am like 10 years out from doing that. I can, oh my gosh, I don't know how this is going to happen. And um, I just want people to know that you can be three years out of grad school, get laid off from a job and start this practice up. You can do it. Um, so don't, don't be in, intimidated. You can do it. You just have to have, like you said, your ducks in a row. And you might not have like six brick and mortar buildings in your first year. I don't have six. I don't have a brick and mortar building. It is my dream to have a brick and mortar building. But you can still make it work and you can still be very fulfilled and you can still help a lot of people and um, do what you love. So um, just know that. Yeah. Wonderful advice. Where can people find you um, on the internet, social media, et cetera? I am on Instagram at, at Duncan Lake Speech. Same thing for Facebook at Duncan Lake Speech. And you can see my brand new website. Just debuted it like a month and a half ago at DuncanLakeSpeechTherapy.com. So connect with Tommy. She's a wealth of information. Her Instagram feed is fantastic. So I highly recommend following her um, on Instagram. Thank you, Tommy, for, for doing this interview and just for being, you know, the wonderful person who you are 
taking action, being friendly. I also wanted to thank you publicly for being one of the best cheerleaders in the Start Your Private Practice Facebook group. You know, we have a student Facebook group and you know, you're always in there like rooting people on, answering questions, being a cheerleader. So I really appreciate you just kind of taking on that role because people need a cheerleader. Well, and I just really couldn't have done this without you. I mean, this is like a total, I'm, this is a not, this, I did not get paid for this. I did not doing like an ad here, but truly Jenna, you, you've changed my life. I could not have done this without you. Literally. What would I have done? I would have just, I would have done it all wrong. And I'm so thankful that you were out there and existed and are so willing to help everybody. So thank you. Well, it's people like you who make this whole thing worth it. Right. So, you know, I, I believe that, you know, we have a lot to give in this life. And if we have skills and we have, you know, expertise, you know, we should be giving it to people in our communities who need, you know, support and um, therapy and everything that they maybe aren't getting otherwise. So, you know, I think that that's one of our big roles in life is, is to help other people. And if we're not able to help each other, you know, or help other people in the way that we want to, um, it's our, our job or our duty even to figure out how to serve those people, right? So, you know, this is one extra way that I figured out how to serve people. Um, and, and you too, right? You figured out how to serve people beyond, you know, what you were able to do in your school job. So I think that, you know, aren't we lucky to have found this profession mm -hmm. and found this option for ourselves um, and found each other. Exactly. And um, I'm just so ha thankful again to have you um, on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Thank awesome. you, Jenna. All right. Take care, Tommy. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to that episode. Don't you just love Tommy? I love, you know, her, her warm, friendly personality. I love her sense of humor. I even love her Michigan accent. I love the whole thing. Um, one of the things that I mentioned in the episode was how she has been a star student in the Start Your Private Practice system. She also is now an unofficial cheerleader in all of the, uh, the student group. And so that's been really fun to have her there. So if you're interested in starting your own private practice, just like Tommy, I want you to head over to startyourprivatepractice.com backslash webinar and sign up for my free training where I promise that you'll learn more about private practice in 60 minutes than all of grad school. And if you end up joining, you'll get to hang out with Tommy in the student group. So again, head over to startyourprivatepractice.com backslash webinar to sign up and hopefully I'll see you there. Now that you've listened to the episode, I want to invite you to a free training. Do you have a business background? Most SLPs who go into private practice don't. You went to grad school, not business school. But here you are trying to start or grow a private practice. The good news is business skills can be learned and I want to help you make solid decisions on how to start and grow your private practice so you can serve your community and build a legacy while doing therapy on your own terms, in your own time, and yes, make more money. I want to invite you to my free training specifically to help SLPs get the background information you need to know in order to be successful. There are two tracks, the start track and the grow track. 
because the needs of beginners and growth level private practitioners are very different. The trainings are short but thorough and can be consumed and put into action quickly. I wanna teach you how to think, act, and behave like the private practitioner you are meant to be so that you can step into the vision you have for your private practice and your life. And the best part, these trainings are completely free. To register right now, simply visit independentclinician.com. Click start or grow and we can get started. Well, this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.